WEEI Studios, the home of the Red Sox. 93.7 WEEI FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app. And now it's Christian Arcan, live from MGM Springfield for Red Sox Winter Weekend on WEEI. Hey, how are you? Welcome in Sports Radio WEEI. It's Christian Arcand. I'm live here in Springfield. It's Red Sox winter weekend. And if you were just standing here, just listening a few minutes ago, all I can say is, where was that last night? <laughs> we had David Ortiz here. This whole place goes crazy, and I wonder. It's the same crowd? I don't know. <laughs> a little different tone than what we heard last night at the uh, town hall right here, which was, uh, well, I think where we have to start. Uh, that was some great stuff there from David Ortiz, of course. Uh, we're going to be joined by a lot of people here over the next uh, three hours. We'll be joined by Hyam Bloom who may have gotten it as bad as anybody last night over there in that town hall. Uh, they were not making it easy for him to finish a sentence. Same with John Henry that you just heard right there. Um, it was uh, it was a rough start. I see why John Henry doesn't like doing these things now. I think I finally get it. Um, but, yeah, this is, uh, this is interesting. There is a lot going on here. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of uh, cool stuff for people to do. And, uh, well, looks like we're playing catch here too. <laughs> but um, for the uh, for the – People who were just, uh, all you heard was what was going on on social media. You would think that this was just, you know, anger and ran everybody just raging at the Red Sox this entire time. It hasn't been like that so far since I've been here. Then again, I got here right as David Ortiz got up on the stage, and I don't know anybody's going to be booing that guy. So, I don't know. That may have been, uh, that may have been the reprieve everybody needed, and uh, we'll see what happens when Hyam comes up here. It's coming in about a half an hour. We'll also be joined by Tanner Houck to find out how the back's doing, uh, see how he's going to be uh, feeling coming into this year. And newcomer Chris Martin's going to join the show around 2.20 as well. Uh, Lou Merloni's walking around. We'll be talking with him and also Rob Bradford because uh, you, you can't get away from Bradford. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. Anyways, um, we uh, had to go over a little bit there for the David Ortiz interview so we're going to take a break here in just a minute when we come back we'll uh, replay a little bit more audio from last night it was ugly it was an ugly one there but did Hyam Bloom end up winning anybody over I think at the end of it maybe a little bit uh, John Henry even a little bit too but when they first started talking man no one wanted to hear what they had to say and uh, that was the thing that jumped out to me we'll get to all of that and we'll get your phone calls as well 617-779-7937 uh, we are still taking calls here even though we are on remote uh, just a hop skip a jump and a two-hour drive away from Fenway Park out here in Springfield uh, right now Stiz has trending and then we're right back your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The NFL Divisional Round kicks off today at 4.30 with the Jaguars taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. All of the NFL Divisional Round games can be heard on WEEI, so keep it locked right here. The Patriots reportedly interviewed Bill O'Brien on Thursday for their offensive coordinator opening, the first step toward what many believe would be a necessary reunion here in New England. The Celtics go for their ninth straight win in Toronto against the Raptors tonight. Tatum is out with left wrist soreness, tip-off at 5 p.m. And the Bruins are back on the ice tomorrow night to host the San Jose Sharks. Puck drops at 7 p.m. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. We're back to Christian Arcan, live from MGM Springfield for Red Sox Winter Weekend. 
It's Christian Arcan. We're live here in Springfield at Red Sox Winter Weekend. That was another little uh, clip from last night as Hyam Bloom un- very unfortunately kept saying bets when he was talking about Mookie Betts. That was, that was problem number one right there. He's talking about making these bets and backing up your bets, and he was talking about Mookie Betts, who they didn't end up uh, keeping. And uh, I think that maybe was just a little bit of an unfortunate uh, thing that happened, but all in all, the audience last night just wasn't having it, really. Wasn't, uh, wasn't trying to hear it uh, when Hyam Bloom began with the, where the team was three years ago, and uh, just every time he tried to speak up, in the beginning anyway, he was drowned out by booze, and this was, I wasn't here last night, so uh, it wasn't me doing it. I'm looking, I'm looking out at the crowd right now, seeing if I, if I recognize anybody from those videos last night. I'm not sure I do, but there was, uh, there was some unhappy people there, and it, was, it did not escape the notice of basically everyone. I'm reading from the Boston Globe right now, John Henry's paper, and here's how it starts. Uh, High and Bloom preached optimism about this year's Red Sox. The fans weren't having it at winter weekend. This is uh, Julian McWilliams. High and Bloom remains confident about the direction of the Red Sox, but Friday evening's town hall meeting that kicked off the winter weekend at the Mass Mutual Center. Fans strongly disagreed. Both Bloom and John Henry heard boos from fans when they were introduced to a disgruntled crowd. Hang on, Bloom pleaded to the dismayed fans who wouldn't allow him to complete his thoughts. Bloom then paused, allowing the crowd to air some of their complaints. After the boos subsided, Bloom went into the archives and explained his perspective. Now, I'm not going to harp on the boos and everything. When Hyam gets here, we can ask him about that. But I do want to talk about his explanation about where the team was three years ago and what's happened since then. Because I feel like you got his side of the story, sure, and you weren't going to hear the angry mob side of the story outside of them yelling and screaming while he tried to make, uh, have a sentence. So I'll try and speak for the angry mob just a little bit here. He says, where was the organization three years ago? They were coming off an 84-win season. That's true. 84 wins was not great in 2019. But the year before that was the best year that the Red Sox have ever had in the history of the organization, which, as we all know, goes back a little bit. It's a long time. Like They, they, they were playing uh, back in the 19th century. So, you know, to have the best team ever and to have all those homegrown players who were on it and who were contributing to it and who really made it special, uh, winning with all those guys, and then to turn around after a year. Now, this wasn't the first time that the Red Sox had won a World Series and then the next year fallen off a little bit, 2004 into 05. You remember that disappointing series they had with the Chicago White Sox, um, 2007 into 08. The season ended in disappointing fashion there, too. Even 2013, 2013 to 2014. 2014, you remember, they blew up the whole pitching staff. Uh, that's when they traded Lester and Peavy and all those guys, and the whole thing was gone, and that was it. Uh, that even to this day wasn't quite as impactful as trading Mookie Betts was in 2019. I still think that that's left a scar that hasn't gone away here uh, for the fans, for younger fans to be sure. Everybody loved Mookie Betts. And for all fans, really, I don't even think it's uh, something you just keep down to them. Everybody was upset with the Mookie Betts trade. And we were willing to give it the benefit of the doubt but then in an offseason now where you're DFAing one of the big pieces you got from that move, uh, Alex Verdugo's still on the team. Sure, he's a starting outfielder. I don't think anybody's going to mistake him for Mookie Betts anytime soon. And, uh, you know, that, that's pretty much it. That's what you got in return. And I think people are now watching Xander Bogarts walk out the door and feeling kind of like these words may be a little hollow from, uh, from High and Bloom, especially when he talks about the prospects that they have. 
There's a lot of great prospects in the system right now. They're not all Bloom prospects, by the way, and I'll ask him about that too when he gets here, but there are a pretty good uh, stock of prospects in the system right now. What I think people are frustrated by is that Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, Andrew Benatendi, and Rafael Devers, just the exception that proves the rule here, were all those type of prospects too, right? So you want to bring your prospects along, you want to have them be homegrown, and you want them to contribute, which they did, to World Series championships. Then they become champion. Then they become something else. That's not, you know, that's different from pre-2004 when you had good players. You had your Mo Vaughns and your Roger Clemens and these guys. And then when they went, ended up leaving, you said, well, that's okay. You guys never won any for, for us anyway. Wade Boggs, you know, guys like that who we loved. But then when they left, you could deal with it. Now when you have champions, guys who win you World Series championships and are homegrown, young, still very viable players. Xander Bogarts last year was a top-five shortstop in all of baseball, not in the American League, in all of baseball. And in a lot of categories, he was top two. So I think that there's every right for Red Sox fans to be upset by this, uh, to be upset by Mookie Betts three years ago, which, again, I don't even blame Haim Bloom for. Uh, I think that when he got here, that was the mandate he was given. They said, listen, you have to get under this luxury tax. You don't have to trade Mookie Betts, but you do have to get under the tax. And Bloom probably looked at his spreadsheet and said, how the hell am I supposed to do that unless I move on from Mookie Betts? And so he did. And I don't think he necessarily even wanted to. Um, But that was what the mandate was. That was the edict that was given. And I feel like that's a tough way to start a new job, Um, certainly. So High and Bloom, I feel like, had a little bit of a... uh, two steps back before he could take a step forward there and that's unfortunate but I do sort of feel like that's followed him around here a little bit now and even with some of the good things that's happened in his tenure uh the trade deadline two years ago that brought in Kyle Schwarber and some of the other moves that were made that were good moves you know good signing Kike Hernandez is a good signing he's made he's made good moves here it's not like it's all been bad but those kind of get drowned out and overshadowed by big big names leaving and in both cases minimal return for either one of them that's hard that's hard for Red Sox fans to deal with that's hard for them to stomach and that's the reason why you heard what you heard last night now here's the thing the Red Sox have gone from worst to first and first to worst several times in my lifetime all right just in the since 2004 but even before that I mean they've had uh, big peaks and big valleys that's a hallmark of the team I mean if you follow this team at all you know what I'm talking about Uh, I do think that there's a chance, I wouldn't say it's a great one, but I do think there's a chance that the Red Sox could do this year, and I heard Curtis and Ken talking about this a little bit, they could take people by surprise. Look at the Bruins. No one expected anything from the Bruins this year. What'd you do? You brought back Bergeron and Krejci, a couple of guys in their late 30s. Wow, we've seen the team with Krejci and and Bergeron. Who cares? And now look at them. They're the best hockey team I've ever seen in my life. Are the Red Sox going to be the best baseball team ever? I mean, listen, probably not. I I don't know that anybody's expecting that. But the bar's pretty low right now. They can exceed expectations. And I think that's something that they have to look at and, and say, this is, our, this is our goal this year. Are we going to compete for a World Series? Are we going to be one of those teams in that kind of mix? If not, what's a realistic goal? And right now, I think that getting back into the wild card picture is as good a place as any to start. Are they good enough to do that? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I look at this roster, and I, the immediate uh, answer for me is probably not. Uh, I don't think that this roster is uh, the type of roster that's improved so much from last year that we're talking about a completely different uh, set of fortunes for them. Um, You still have a lot of holes in this lineup. And again, the offseason's not over, so we'll see where things go. I'm very happy that they signed Rafael Devers to that extension. I'm very happy that they did that. 
and I think that that needs to be uh, part of the headline here, too, because for all the talk of the Red Sox don't sign anybody and they let all their players go and they do all these things, they didn't do that with Devers. Now, when it comes to someone like Devers versus Xander Bogarts, you think, well, Devers is younger. He's more of a power hitter. Uh, Bogarts was a top shortstop in the league this year, no doubt about that, and I really think that they should have made a bigger effort to keep him than they did, which, again, we'll talk with Bloom about in about 10 minutes here. Um, But that doesn't necessarily, if it was one or the other, I think a lot of people agreed that, yeah, Devers is the one. But then when you hear John Henry go on and on about how it's expensive to have a baseball team and it's expensive to pay these players, and, you know, if you want to compete with the Dodgers and the Yankees of the world, then you have to uh, you have to be able to charge more for for tickets and things like that. And I get what he's saying. I mean, from a financial standpoint, that makes sense. Except for this, if you have to charge that much, then keep the players everybody likes. You know, like if it's going to cost that much anyway, and it's so expensive to run the baseball team, then let's you know let's keep the guys around that we like. And not only that, you think it'd be better for business. You know, you sold a lot of Mookie Betts jerseys. You sold millions and millions of Xander Bogarts jerseys and shirts. I it's not you know I'm not talking about guys who are all reputation and no. Uh, and no meat when it comes to production. These guys are producing. Mookie Betts is still producing. Xander Bogarts, I think, is going to go have a fine career out there in San Diego because he sure has some protection in that lineup, doesn't he? Uh, that's, I mean, listen, Xander Bogarts, that was a crazy contract that he got offered, and I'm sure the Red Sox had a number, and that number was not near it. Fine. But the number that they did give him, the number that they did offer him, it seemed like it was never really that close. And you know what else with the Xander Bogarts thing kind of confused me was uh, – that time when he was, uh, well, actually, I'll get to this later. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. We're going to take a quick break. We'll hear from High and Bloom in just a few minutes. We're back to Christian Arcan, live from MGM Springfield for Red Sox Winter Weekend on WEEI. Sports Radio WEEI. It's Christian Arcan here live from Winter Weekend in Springfield, and I'm joined right now by the loneliest man in New England. <laughs> Just kidding. Hiam Bloom joins me here on the program. Hiam, uh, John Henry actually invoked that last night, the Theo Epstein loneliest guy. Is that how you feel right now? You feel like the loneliest guy in New England? Up on that stage maybe a little bit, but not when I'm walking around here. Our fans are great. Like, they get it. They, they're, they're locked in. I mean, you walk around this place. I was, so I stepped out of dinner last night to, to go uh, take a bathroom break, and I run into two... Two fans, probably, I'm guessing, about 14 or 15 years old, that wanted to talk about, looking back to November, why David Hamilton on the 40-man and not Thad Ward. And, <laughs> you know, with all due respect to, uh, you know, the fourth estate that covers us so capably, sure. I'm not sure every single one of them would be locked in enough to ask that question. So, you know, it's just part of it. It's, that's a passion that our fans have. Um, last night you saw that passion on display, to be sure. Were you surprised by the reaction? I mean, I know it wasn't a great year last year, but still, I mean, these are paying customers. Like, that was, that was pretty rough. I wasn't surprised at all. No. I expected it. You know, I get it. Like, we weren't very good last year. Simple. Yeah? What, 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 do, you, what do you attribute that to? I mean, obviously you didn't put a team together thinking, oh, we're going to have a bad year. What went wrong? No, I mean, look, we expected to be in the postseason. Um, and... I think we had a team talent-wise that was capable of doing it. I think there were a couple things. Look, some of it, you know, the breaks of the game, injuries. Look, we definitely took more than our fair share. Now, that said, there are a couple other teams in baseball that got beat up a lot. You know, some teams that sinks, a couple of them powered through that and got to the postseason. We weren't able to do that. So there's some other things, you know, just in terms of, you know, Alex has talked about this, how we played the game at times. Um, You know, the types of at-bats we had in big situations. Obviously, our bullpen was not 
what it needed to be. And there were some things with how the roster came together that, you know, I look back and there were points where it didn't fit together as well as it needed to and, and put everybody in a bad spot. Now, Haim, I, I agree that last year wasn't a great year, obviously, but I think if you guys just had a bad year and did this, uh, you know, did the town hall, you might not have gotten the same reaction as you get when someone like Xander Bogarts walks out the door. And obviously you open the thing talking about Mookie and where you guys were three years ago. Do you, what what slice of the pie do you think the reaction was? Was it the year last year, or was it losing another beloved uh, fan favorite player? I, I just look at it as kind of a combination of everything. I think that's why I wanted to. That's why I said what I did, and that's why I wanted to say that because I do think a lot of this just has to do with all those different things on top of each other. Obviously, seeing two guys, great players that we all love leave in you know a three-year period on top of you know more recently it's one thing if that's happening and we're and we got trophies all over the place right you know we didn't have a very good year so it all it all kind of comes together and that's why i thought it was important to say look you know i understand what's happened here's what we're trying to do like it don't like it that's fine this is everybody's got different opinions in this game but i want people to understand the vision understand that there is a reason for all of this and that it is all part of us competing and pushing towards what we need to be doing. Hi, and when Xander signed with San Diego, I read a story about you in the airport being kind of shell-shocked and not really, you know. And I remember at that time, and I was just talking about this before the break, Carabas and Sean McAdam, a bunch of other uh, fourth estate people, as you know, were sort of tweeting, uh-oh, hey, I heard, some, I heard some good news. And then all of a sudden there was this big contract in San Diego. Were you shell-shocked by that? Was that as big of a surprise as it appeared to be to everybody else? No, and, you know, I hate to put it so bluntly because Julian does such a good job, uh, you know, covering us, and he's awesome to work with, and, you know, he's a good writer. Um, but we, we had a good sense, uh, and I've told a couple people this since. I've been pretty open with how it unfolded. We had a good sense, even from the night before, that, you know, this thing was probably going to go to a place that we were not going to go. And, you know, we got to own that. I've been pretty blunt about that. I think we all have. Good for Xander. We, we love him. We just did not think that that type of deal was something that was going to be good for the organization. And you go back to the comment that John made yesterday. You know, sometimes making what you think is the right decision for the organization is not going to be popular. And it's not even, you know, you, sometimes you've got to break your own heart because it's the right decision for the organization. So we kind of had a sense of where that was going. I think the reaction was a couple things. One, um, you know, I've never left. I, that was, I think, the 18th winter meetings I've been at in my career. I have never, ever left a winter meetings not feeling like just a block punt. Like, it, it's an exhausting event. Um, two, uh, you know, I knew when I, I wanted to say something because I didn't want to obviously duck it. But I knew I was the first person in the organization that was going to be commenting on this. And you're talking about a player who is... Um, going to be, you know, one of the true greats of this franchise for, you know, forever. And I wanted to make sure I was gathering my thoughts and doing that in the right way. But we kind of knew throughout the day where it was going. If you could go back to the Bogarts negotiations and do them over again, is there anything you'd have done differently? You know, as, as far as his free agency is concerned, that obviously just went to a place. I, like I said, we weren't going to go there. There are points Could along the way. you have cut him off before it came to something like yeah, that? Yes. So, so you know, I, I know that's kind of that's a lot of the storyline around this, and I don't think it's as simple as it kind of gets portrayed. I will say that. You know, this guy obviously before I was here back in nineteen chose to delay his free agency because he really wanted to be here at that time. Um, you know, and he, Scott did a good job and negotiated an opt out for him three years later. That. You know, most time in this business, no matter how much people like playing somewhere, there's only so many times they're going to forego that right. Mm. And he's a great player and, and had the right to do it. So I, I don't think it was ever as clear cut. Now, that said, you know, I got asked this, uh, I think, 
at some point this winter, at some point after that happened, if I had, you know, some regrets about the situation with Xander. I said there's a couple things, um, and I didn't want to elaborate because I do think it's personal, it's private. But as far as the negotiations are concerned, look, I totally understand the criticism. I do think, uh, you know, again, I, I don't know how realistic it is to expect a player to forego that right a second time without really, really compelling reasons. Well, to make matters worse here now, Trevor Story's got this injury. We heard today that he does indeed plan to play this year. Um, what do you sort of do in the middle of that infield? Bogarts is gone. Story's going to be out for a while. There's some in-house candidates, certainly. Uh, do you plan on uh, continuing to explore uh, opportunities there or options there? Yeah, we do. And obviously it's, we're at the point in the offseason that we're at. But even before this happened with Trevor, we were still planning to add. So we are going to. Who, what, when, I, you know, I can't tell you right now, obviously. It's not like we've got something up our sleeve. But, uh, you know, I, when, when we announced Trevor's surgery, you know, I didn't want to and still don't want to commit to, hey, he's definitely coming back because I just don't think it's fair to hang a timetable on this at this early stage. We're not even two weeks beyond the surgery. But you talk to him, he's, he's planning to be back. Um, so let's just see how it goes. I know you've answered this question before, but it seemed like the first thing that you were tasked to do when you took this job was trade one of the great players in the history of the team. And I just feel like that, you know, that's like taking two steps forward before you can even walk into your office. Is that what it felt like to you? Like, what, what was, the, what was the, the feeling there when you sort of realized, I'm going to have to move this guy. This is the first thing people are going to know about me is that I traded Mookie Betts. Yeah, look, you can't worry about that. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the Red Sox. And the fact of the matter is I knew when I came here that for all the recent success, and that success, I'm not shorting that success at all. Believe me, like I, my former team, we got our asses kicked by the 2018 Red Sox, who Never also won did. the division <laughs> the two years before that. Yeah. Um, so taking nothing away from that success, the fact of the matter was we were in a really tough spot at that point in time where we had a team that, you know, 2019 showed that, I think, pretty convincingly. The team was not where it needed to be. Everybody else in the division was building the right way. Everybody else in the division was really on the way up. And so I think at that point, you have a couple choices. You can just double down on everything you've done, continue doubling down, doubling down. Now, when you do that, even as a big market team, you fall off a cliff, you might end up rebuilding for half a decade. And we've seen that happen. It doesn't just happen to small market teams. It can happen to big market teams. Or you've got to look at how do we repopulate the talent base of the organization with young talent, and how can we do that and win at the same time? And fortunately, this organization, we do have great resources to be able to do that, and that was really what we were trying to do all along. Obviously, in 2020, it was not going to be possible for any number of reasons. I think how tough 2020 was kind of showed the need to do that because, frankly, had Mookie been here in 2020, we weren't going anywhere either way. Mm -hmm. But you look at 2021, and I really think in many ways because we did what we did and because we made that tough decision we were able to win in 2021 um obviously doogie was a huge contributor to that but we took all of the resources that would have gone to mookie so it wasn't just that we got doogie we used all those resources on kike and hunter and adam Ottavino and garrett richards and we did the right things to build that team and we were we didn't go as far as they wanted to but we almost got to the World Series with that team. So the plan didn't change in 22. The plan was the same thing. The plan was get as much talent back in the organization as we possibly can and then use the money, use the resources that we're fortunate to have to give us a chance to win in the here and now. Fact of the matter is, in 2022, we didn't get it done. We got to own that. And right. there's things I would do differently with that. Mm -hmm. But that's what we've been trying to do. And it really was just a function. Like I said, it's not about me. I, I'm not, I can't worry about that. I don't worry about that. 
worry about how can we get this organization back where it needs to be because the fact of the matter was we were headed towards that cliff and we had to make tough decisions to get out of that situation. All right, Ryan, before we let you go here, um, a lot of rule changes in baseball this year, uh, certainly affecting uh, some pitchers that I'm going to be talking to in just a few minutes, um, and there's some other uh, changes the, across the spectrum. What's your take on some of those? I know that you guys have all had sort of a collaborative process in discussing them and sort of enacting them. Um, how do you feel about these, uh, these new rules? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Look, you know, I've said it in a couple of contexts, um, and this is, this is relevant to obviously some of these conversations. Every conversation I've heard with a player about the rules has already been, you know, how do you think these rules are going to hurt you? Yeah. We can't think like that. These rules apply to everybody. We've got to be the ones to figure out how to win with these rules. Every time there's change, every time there's disruption, it creates opportunity. The cool thing about us, we have a coaching staff, a bunch of baseball rats that are going to be really engaged in figuring out where's those little advantages that we might think of that another team might not that's going to enable us to win an extra one or two games this year. All right, very good. We'll leave it right there. Then, hi, and Bloom. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, great to talk with you. Great to finally meet you. And uh, don't worry, these people are nicer than they seem, I think. They're, everybody's <laughs> been awesome. And Everyone's like said, been good. Except, they have, they have except opinions. The, yeah, opinions but they've been great all right well great and uh, you've been great so thanks very much uh, appreciate it and uh, you're a good sport you bet. <laughs> all Thank right you. time bloom uh joining me here on the program now with uh with a couple of guests coming up here those rule changes i just mentioned are uh, going to be certainly something that they're interested in talking about because i know that uh tanner Houck, i know that chris martin is going to be joining me here at two o'clock and at 215 probably don't like the pitch clock too much probably don't like uh being told that they have to uh, interruption to their normal routines if there's one thing i know about baseball players is that they tend to not like that sort of thing anyways uh high and bloom some interesting stuff there um i was i was surprised to hear that about uh, xander bogarts and those negotiations it seemed like uh according to most reports that that uh, offer came in over the top at the last minute and uh kind of shocked everybody it doesn't sound like he was too shocked by it and um i don't know i mean the business is the business the game is the game unfortunately and uh the padres are playing i feel like they're playing a different game from a lot of these teams you know like the the padres are just spending at such a wild rate and uh really going like old school steinbrenner on all this and uh, it's hard to compete you know it's hard to compete with your guys but i did hear john henry last night talk about competing with the dodgers and competing with the yankees what the yankees do did they let aaron judge go to free agency no do they trade him away no uh, what are the Dodgers doing? What, who are they letting go? Who are they letting walk into free agency, get signed away? I know it's happened, but, you know, let's, let's be real here. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a high-stakes game that's going on right now, and there's teams out there that are willing to put up those high stakes. And uh, High and Bloom, I think, is operating in parameters that make it hard for him to join that. You know, I mean, that's, that's the long and short of it. Uh, I like Haim. I think he's a good guy, and uh, I think he's doing his best. But you know, it's it's tough. It's a tough thing to it's a tough thing to try and, and square up here when you want to win and you want to be able to uh, put the best possible team out of there on the field. And uh, at times, you're just not given the resources that you need. Um, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number if you'd like to chime in. Um, we're going to be joined here in about 10 minutes by Tanner Houck, who uh, had back surgery and is uh, recovering from that. Hopefully is going to be a major contributor in the starting rotation this year. And for all the doom and gloom and all the talk about the Red Sox and how the staff isn't very good and, you know, whatever, there is some things to look forward to. There are some things to be optimistic about, and I think Tanner Houck's one of them. I really do. I, uh, I was very impressed by Tanner Houck and the way that he pitched these last two years, and I think that there's real potential there with him, um, with uh, Garrett Whitlock to be sure. There's good young pitchers on this team, and I think they could always have more, sure. You know what this sort of reminds me of? And I was going to ask him about this, but we ran out of time. In 2013, 
The Red Sox, after 2012, you remember the Bobby Valentine year? Not great. Uh, seemed like a bottom-out type of season. And what they did that offseason, what Ben Charrington did, was uh, he signed some older veteran guys. No one who really knocked your socks off. You know, your uh, Shane Victorinos of the world and uh, Napoli, you know, those guys. And that team ended up catching lightning in a bottle. And I feel like that's, I don't know if that's a possibility here or not, but I do think that that's something that can happen under the right circumstances. And for better or for worse, the Red Sox this year have gone out and signed some veteran guys. Uh, Justin Turner, veteran guy to be sure. Uh, You have, um, what's his name, who they just signed? Um, uh, Duval, Adam Duval, who's another veteran guy, 37. And when he's right, a pretty good power hitter. I like that signing. By the way, I thought that was a good signing. I don't know if replacing Xander Bogarts with Adam Duvall is going to be exactly what you need. But all in all, I thought it was a fine signing. And I do think that with Devers there in the middle, you at least got some guys that can protect him in that lineup. So it's not going to be pretty all along, I don't think. I think this season's going to be going to be at times tough to uh, tough to really see what the vision is. And I do understand what what Heim Bloom's vision is for this team. I do understand the, uh, the prospects and how he wants to fiercely protect them. I would just say this. When he got here, I'm not sure that the prospect situation was as dire as he's made it out to be a couple of times. Uh, Tristan Cass is already here. Raffaello is already here. Uh, Brian Mata already here. Brandon Walter already here. Uh, Perales already here. You had Paulino, who was already here. Gonzalez, Murphy, uh, Lugo, like lots of Banaki. Like you, you have, it, wasn't, it wasn't completely bare. The cupboard wasn't bare. Was it great? Maybe not. But I do feel like that part of it gets exaggerated a little bit. Um, oh, you just you didn't have any prospects, so you had to go and, and, uh, and restock. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. You did get some prospects. It's not like you didn't. But I think what the problem really was wasn't the lack of prospects. It was some of the bloated contracts. And uh, in particular, some guys that you're just in contracts you can't get out of right now. And I think that that may have uh, contributed to it as well. 617-779-7937 is your phone number. I see your calls lining up here. Um, We'll try and get to as many as you can, but you may have to hold on for a minute because uh, joining me next is Tanner Houck, and then right after that, Chris Martin, the uh, one of the newest, I don't know if he's the newest, but one of the newer Red Sox, uh, will be jumping on with me to talk about this offseason, to talk about the season coming up here. I'm interested in both of those guys and what their roles are going to be. Um, in this bullpen, in this rotation, wherever it is, uh, I think that that's very interesting with this, uh, with this pitching staff. So I'm uh, going to be looking forward to seeing what they have to say about that, and we'll also be taking your phone calls here, 617-779-7937. Let's take one real quick. Uh, Jeff is in New Bedford. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, how are you? How you doing, Jeff? Good, good. Hey, um, you know, the Bruins came back, and they had a lot of their uh, standards that came back to the team. Pasternak, DeBras, mm-hmm. McAvoy, Bergeron. So it's kind of a stretch to compare uh, their, uh, the season of the Red Sox coming up to them. Jeff, that's true, except to say this, that the Bruins weren't that great last year either. They were one and done in the playoffs, and they just squeaked in. That's fine, but you're bringing back guys that you know can perform. So what we have here, and I'll give the Red Sox the chance to prove uh, everybody wrong, is that if uh, they should be uh, looking, going young, bringing up their kids, and then going forward. All right, thanks for the call, Jeff. Appreciate it. 
I can't hang up on him. Thanks, uh, thanks for the call there, Jeff. I appreciate you uh, checking in here. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Um, yeah, Bruins brought back a lot of people. That's all they did. All they did is brought people back. Uh, the Red Sox, not so much. <laughs> 617-779-7937 is your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, Tanner Houck joins the show.